This is the Momentum Podcast. Hi, everybody. How you doing, Alex? <laughs> doing great. I'm excited to do this. This is this has been fun, and I think that like this weekly connection with this group is going to be getting better and better. So I'm excited about the questions we got this week. Yeah. So our goal is obviously to bring as much value as we can to you guys here. So please, we encourage you guys to continue to submit your questions um, throughout the week. There are reminder posts so that you guys can um, have an opportunity. If you didn't get a chance to that day, the next day, you have multiple opportunities to submit a question. And if we don't get them on that specific week, we'll make sure that we get them the next one. So make sure that you ask your questions about your business. So Alex, are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do this. Drum roll. I'm Alex Sharfin, and this is the Momentum Podcast, made for empire builders, game changers, trailblazers, shot takers, record breakers, world makers, and creators of all kinds. Those among us who can't turn it off and don't know why anyone would want to. We challenge complacency, destroy apathy, and we are obsessed with creating momentum so we can roll over bureaucracy and make our greatest contribution. Sure, we pay attention to their rules, but only so that we can bend them, break them, then rewrite them around our own. Will. We don't accept our destiny. We define it. We don't understand defeat because you only lose if you stop, and we don't know how. While the rest of the world strives for average and clings desperately to the status quo, we are the minority, the few who are willing to hallucinate there could be a better future. And instead of just daydreaming of what could be, we endure the vulnerability and exposure it takes to make it real. We are the evolutionary hunters, clearly the most important people in the world because entrepreneurs are the only source of consistent, positive human evolution, and we always will be. All right, Jordy, Jordy Piles asks, what is the most effective way to train and utilize your virtual assistants? Mm -hmm. And then like a second part to that is, how would you utilize a virtual, a virtual assistant if you were in the home service industry? All right. I'm going to answer the first question and then we'll come back to that second part. So when I look at training any assistant, um, the most important part of training an individual on your team is first taking a step back from training and saying like, what do I really want from this person? What do I want this person to do? And what, where do I want this person to help me with leverage? And that's leverage of time, leverage of activity, um, leverage of any, any type of leverage that you want. And so I, the issue that I see with most people who hire an in-person or virtual assistant, it's really the same. There's there's some adjustments that you can make if, if somebody's in person as opposed to virtual, but it's really very, very similar. The biggest mistake that I've seen people make is they hire someone and they don't gather data as to what they want this person to do. And the best way to do anything is to first gather data, analyze that data, then prioritize what you want to do, uh, commit to what you're going to do, execute, and then come back and renew and do it again. That's our five-step process of analyze, prioritize, commit, execute, and renew. And when it comes to hiring an assistant, the way that we analyze data, that first really crucial step is we do a two-week time study. And if you've already hired an assistant, that's okay. They can be there during your time study. You can be handing things off to them on a day-to-day -day basis. But what a two-week time study is, you um, take sheets of paper and you carry, and, I, and it's paper, don't do this in an app, it just does not have the same efficacy, nowhere near the same effect on you or process, uh, or this process, it's really paper that's gonna make it more valuable and more effective. And in 15 minute increments, you write down everything you're going to do. 
And when you do that for two weeks, even after you do it for two or three days, you have something that almost no one in the world has. You have an inventory of where you're spending your most valuable commodity, which is time. And when you look at that inventory of time, you can start asking yourself, what on this list is something that I'm doing that someone else could be doing? We, we look at it as the difference between tactical, which is something that someone else could do, and strategic, which is what you should be doing right now, and you are the best person to do. And this is always a judgment call. As you evolve as an entrepreneur, as you build a bigger team, as you have more people working with you, what is tactical or what is what is tactical today? We're, sorry, what is strategic today will become tactical over time. So you'll be handing things off. So it's really an inventory for in the now today. What should this person be doing? And so you conduct that time study. You look at all those things that someone else could do. You create a list out of those things. Then you prioritize that list based on two factors. So the first factor is what is taking me the most time? And the second factor is what is draining the most energy? And I use those words very deliberately. I don't say what is using the most or taking the most energy. I say what is draining the most energy? Because as, as entrepreneurial personality types, we are incredibly sensitive. We have high intuition. We have a lot of skills that are completely different than the average person. And when our energy is drained, when we're doing things that we don't enjoy, when we're doing things that are feel like pushing a boulder uphill, when we're doing things that are frustrating or cause anxiety or cause um, even just irritation for us, those drain our energy. So I look at that list and I say, what's taking the most time? What's draining the most energy? And I use those two factors to prioritize what I'm going to hand off first. And then the process of handing that off, we have a process of permanent delegation. You know, a lot of people delegate something by saying, hey, I need you to do this, but there's no process built around it. And so as you're training this virtual assistant together, you sit down and you say, hey, I'm going to hand off this thing that I do right now. And let's just say, you know, you're mailing out packages for your business or something like that. I'm picking something that's really easy. And so, you know, every day you come in, you look at the list of, of who's bought something and you go assemble the packages and you ship them out. This is a hypothetical. And um, we build a process around it. And so we sit down with that person and we have them build the process. We have them make a simple flow chart that has squares and arrows. It doesn't have to be in all the flow chart, fancy design, you know, different, different uh, symbols and all of those things. It can just be super simple. But you tell that person what you do. So you say, I come in and I open this program. I look at the list of packages that need to go out. I download it into an Excel file. I print labels. I go get boxes. And she's literally putting each of, or he is literally putting each of those things in a box and building that process. And now you can hand that off to them and then they can go and, and do that process. And once you get that documented, you might think, oh, you know, there's a couple things I want to change. So here's a key document it as is first and then document the changes afterwards don't document as is and changes at the same time because it gets convoluted and it's hard to see what you were originally doing and often that that makes the dele delegation very difficult that makes repetition of the task difficult so document as is then take a step back and say okay should we change any of this to make it more efficient now that i'm actually looking at the process there's some stuff that could be easier. There's some stuff that we could change. We could do, you know, something that makes it so we're, you're killing two birds with one stone. There's, you know, something here. Document those changes, have the person start executing that process. And then anytime they make a change, they document the change to the process. And um, when it comes to hiring an assistant, I actually did about an hour, hour and 15 minute. I think it might be a little bit longer training that's here in this group called um, hiring your first assistant. And 
not only is there a more in-depth explanation of what we just went through here, but there's also the documentation for the time study. There's a download for the time study and there's a download for a description of what that assistant can be doing for you that I think you'd find really helpful if this is where you find yourself in business. And so um, I think that's that's probably the full explanation, Jennifer. Yeah, so that training is actually under the guides section. So if you guys click on the guides here, we actually uh, uh, organize the content in the community. You'll see the videos that go attached to that um, that video series that Alex did about hiring an assistant. And then like the second part to that question from Jordy was, um, how do you hire them specifically in a home service industry? So he put examples, window cleaning, pressure washing. So I guess offline type of business? Would you follow the same model? 100%. You know, um, I I often get asked that same question, like, what would you do with a virtualist or just just call it an assistant? What would you do with an assistant for someone who runs a law firm or someone who runs a marketing agency or someone who runs a coaching company or someone who is an author or, you know, any of those things? Well, the fact is your business, if you're a home services business and you're the CEO, it's different than any other home services business. I guarantee you, because I've worked with dozens of them and there's no two that have been identical. There's definitely similarities and there's things that each one does that are the same, but there's always a difference because the person running the business creates that business and they're creating an entirely new structure and process and what they're doing. And so regardless of what type of business you're in, that time study process will show you exactly what you need that person to do right now. Then you can take a step back from the business and say, okay, what are the things that I've wanted to do that I haven't been able to do? What are the things that um, I've had on that back burner that that intuitively I know would be good for this business that I should be executing, but I haven't had a chance to. And then you can start talking about some of those things. Maybe you do them as you're delegating those things away. Maybe it's something that you work with that new assistant to be able to do. And so it, it doesn't really matter what type of business you're in. We use the same process and we use this process with a very, very high level of success. Awesome. Jordy, I hope that answers your questions. Let us know if you have any like follow-up questions to that in the comments. I see we have people on the live. So welcome to our live people. Comment below. Let us know where you're tuning in from. Anybody that's watching the replay later on, also let us know in the comments. And if you're live and you have a question, put it in the comments. I do have another screen where I am keeping an eye on your questions. All right, let's move on to psych. Chrissy, I hope I'm pronouncing it right. I don't want to butcher nobody's name, but the question says, how do you set up your general manager slash CEO role to contribute to the growth and profit of the company? That's a big question. Um, so, you know, there's to, to me, I, whenever someone asks a question like that, like I take a step back and say, okay, what are we really asking here? You know, first, um, when you say general manager, did was it COO or CEO? He put so I'm I'm, I'm assuming that he wants it, like what to do for each role because he put general manager and then he put CEO CEO. CEO. Okay, so if you want to, so so what it sounds like is you're hiring someone to take over the day to day operations of the company. And if you're going to hire someone to take over the day-to-day operations of the company, 
Uh, the way that you set that person up for success is you create a operating system, a structure within the business so that the business is run by process, not personality. Let me explain the difference there. So I would estimate somewhere around 99% of entrepreneurial businesses are run by personality. And, you know, I see the symptoms of that running a business by personality all the time, because when you're running a business by personality, that means you're coming in and you're driving the business forward day to day. You're meeting with people, you're talking to people, you're answering questions, you're, uh, you know, people have got a minutes, they need to know what's going on, they, they want to know what you want to do, they need approvals from you. That driving a business by personality is the symptoms are things like you always feel like you're the biggest bottleneck. You have a never ending to do list that won't go away. You don't feel like you can take time from away from the business. You feel like you're stuck in the business. That personality based leadership or personality based business growth is really exhausting. And what often happens is when somebody's in that personality based business growth or running the business through personality, they're so exhausted that they say, okay, I want to hire somebody to just do it all for me. I want somebody to come in and replace me and be the GM or the CEO or just be the person who's literally going to replace me in the business. And honestly, you know, I've been doing this for over 30 years now, and I have seen very few cases of success there. Like, so few, I could probably count them on one hand in an entrepreneurial business. And, and here's what I mean by that. When it goes from personality leadership and personality growth from one person, and then someone else is brought in to replace that person, rarely does the business continue growing or does the business succeed long-term. There might be some short-term boosts. There might be some, some short-term progress, but rarely does it succeed long-term because the bridge between personality management and being able to hand it off to somebody to actually manage the business is putting process in place, putting process, structure, routine in place and having an operating system. And here's what I mean by an operating system. When you look at the primary functions of business, you know, um, businesses are made to create a future plan. So to understand where you're going, to execute that plan and then to methodically build the infrastructure of the business. That means hiring people, bringing on software, um, equipment, you know, real estate, whatever it is that you need in, in any particular business. And in most cases, in entrepreneurial businesses, the entrepreneur is doing those things. The entrepreneur is planning typically in their head and no one, no one can actually see a plan. Um, the execution is happening through day-to-day -day transactional management of telling people what to do, checking that it got done and telling them what to do again. And then the infrastructure is being built typically around a few things like where the entrepreneur is feeling pain, like, oh, this is so frustrating. I need to bring somebody on or where the entrepreneur has an idea where it's like, oh, I think this might help. And then they start changing something in the business or bring something into the business or they are inspired by somebody else. And they say, oh, if it's working for that person, then I should bring this into my business. And they start changing things. That is a really unintentional way to do things. The intentional way to do this and bring on a GM or a CEO who can actually run the business is to put a structure in place for planning so that there's a clear plan. Uh, we, we train our clients to create a plan on a quarterly basis that's executed through a monthly plan we call the waterfall. And it's a waterfall because kind of energy flows from long-term outcomes to annual, to quarterly, to monthly, to weekly. And, and we know that everything somebody's doing in any given week is going to get us to our long-term outcome. And so there's an intentional plan process that everybody understands. So there's consistency in how the outcomes in the business are created. 
And then uh, the second part of that is like that day-to-day execution. There's a system for that so that there's a process and a structure that is managing the business, not a person carrying around everything in their head. If you're an entrepreneur who's run a business by personality, and I can tell you I absolutely have, it was the most exhausted and uh, stressed and cortisoled out and overweight and unhealthy I've ever been in my life because literally I had so much in my head, I could never take a deep breath and slow down because I felt like I would lose something. And so when you put a structure in place where you have a planning process and you have an execution system. So every person on the team knows what their outcomes are, knows what they're being measured by and knows what their, uh, accountable for on an individual basis, the team starts executing like crazy. And so when you have that planning process in place, that execution process in place, and then the third step is a way to consistently analyze the business to see what it needs, not what feels like a good idea not what is inspired by somebody else. I mean, unless the analysis shows you that those things should be brought into the business, but instead an analysis where you're looking at what is actually happening in the business and what is it demanding? What is the business need? And then we consistently do those things. When we have that three-part structure in place of clear planning, execution, and building the business over time, then when we bring somebody in, we teach them that structure, they manage that structure, and now you can have a GM or a CEO in the business who's gonna be really successful. Now, I just want to one last thing in when we're when I'm coaching someone in my program and they come to me and they say, you know, I want to hire a GM or a CEO that's going to run everything so I can step away. I suggest to them that, you know, the CEO position is whatever you want to make it. And the CEO position can be a position of strategic guidance for the company. It can be strategic consulting for the company. It can be electing and um, selecting long-term outcomes and reinforcing the mission of the business and the core values of the business. If, if you step away from the company, you're probably going to still be involved in those things. So often what I tell our members is, look, maintain the CEO role, put a process and a structure in place, and then back down to where you're running the company in a lot less time. And your primary outcome in the business is to coach and support and make sure that that GM or CEO is growing with the business. We have a concept called the 40 hour year that demonstrates how you can literally run an entire business in around 40 hours a year. That's in the ideal. Um, not a lot of people get there because not a lot of people want to get there, but we've had CEOs who are running their business literally in that, that small amount of time. And then they're also fulfilling other things in the business. We've had other CEOs that get to the place where they're only spending 40 hours a year in the business and that's what they want. They have a lot of other things that they're out there doing. And then we've had CEOs like, uh, like Alex and Layla Hormozy who take that 40 hour year concept and now they're running and be involved in 15, 20, 30 or 40 businesses because each one of them is taking 40 hours a year and they have more time in the year available. And so, um, I would suggest you take a look at the 40 hour year video. I think that's here in the group as well. And, uh, and just look at that concept because that concept is really the key to replacing yourself in the business with both a person, but also that process and that operating system. Awesome. Anna, if you can please put the link of that training um, here as well in the comments and hello, we're having more people jump on. Hi, Joey. Jen, Jigal, Sergio. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. Again, I'm not trying to butcher nobody's Sergei, name. Sergey. 
Yeah. Oh, you know him. He's your friend. You know, we're people. <laughs> amazing. Um, so hi to everyone. Thank you for being here. Okay. So we have another question and you um, gave a response to Marley in regards to profit share. But the reason why I want to bring it up again and kind of like maybe uh, discuss it a little bit more is because lately, even in our membership program, people have been discussing and talking about profit share. Like, what should I give my team so that they can feel incentivized so that they can continue to help us grow the business? Can you tell us about your philosophy on profit sharing and like when should people even consider that with their company yeah so for sure so let's let's go back to marley's question um by the way marley if you get a chance to watch this i just want to congratulate you publicly i know i already did privately but marley's first documentary just won an award at a film festival i'm so proud of her like uh i get chills when i talk about marley jacks because we've been friends for i get a little emotional i don't know if you could hear that um, we've been friends for a really long time and she's helped me with a ton of stuff. And she recently like called her shots and said she was going to start making documentaries and, and like, you know, do this new thing. And uh, from the outside looking in, I'm like, what is she doing? <laughs> and like everything else Marley does, she like has this, these, you know, it's like the entrepreneurial personality type. She sees unique connections and a different opportunity and a different perspective and a different way of looking at things. And then she just goes out and crushes it. And her next couple of projects, I have a little inside view on what they're going to be. And oh, I can't wait for them to come out. I'm so excited. So, um, all right, enough about Marley. So sorry about that. <laughs> but, question like let us here. So congratulations, Marley. We're, we're so excited for you. So she's talked about, um, I'll read a little bit of her post. It says, yesterday I shared with my team that I wanted to spend more time in the visionary mode and feel a lot of personal resistance from how much time I spend diving and pushing to get things done that I really know that they're capable of doing. Uh, and honestly, I think it's just me getting in the way. We hear this a lot, by the way. <laughs> me getting in the way. I've proposed that I like to implement a bonus model based on performance and provide each member of the leadership team objectives for them to hit and the calculation of those make up these bonuses. Does anyone here have something like that that they're, they they want to do? So you want to digress on that and yeah, talk a little bit about your suggestions. Absolutely. So when it comes to um, bonuses for a leadership team, now this is specifically for a leadership team. Uh, I don't like there to be any type of bonuses that don't include company success and company profitability. And that's why I've been doing this for a long time. I've seen dozens. No, it's not dozens. I've seen hundreds of bonus structures. Um, and unfortunately, the vast majority create incentives in the wrong direction for what the CEO or what the owner of the business really wants. Let me explain what I mean. So Marley, um, I think in that question or somewhere, she had included some things like, this is what I think I do with my marketing person. This is what I think I do with sales. This is what I do with this other person. And there was like KPIs or metrics for each one of those roles where, you know, if this person does these things, they're going to get this bonus. And this person does these, they're going to get this bonus. It was like a departmental type bonus structure. And I know this is trained a lot. I know a lot of consultants suggest this. I know there's tons of books that suggest this. But I've been around at the implementation of these structures. And also, I've also been there five or 10 years later and still know those companies and know the inner workings of those companies. And here's what often happens. When you put together a bonus structure where individual leaders are bonused around KPIs that their department is responsible for, 
you start creating a team of individuals rather than a team of people who are working together and achieving together. And it's like incentivizing one person on a sports team to do what they do best, but not, not, you know, supporting the rest of the team. And what often happens in those types of structures is two things. One, it creates a competitive environment rather than a cooperative environment on a leadership team. And two, you might have one leader that hits all of their KPIs. You know, you might have someone who, who gets all their numbers correct, but the rest of the team is not doing what they need to do, or they're not working cohesively, or they're not cooperating together. And so the company doesn't have the outcomes that it wants. And you're writing a bonus check to somebody when the company is not doing well. And to me, there is this massive energetic conflict with that. You don't ever want to be paying bonuses when the company is not doing well. And I've, I've seen incentive plans so many times put together where CEOs thought they really had it figured out and they spent tons of time on, on KPIs and spreadsheets and qualifiers, and this is how it's going to work. And this is how we're going to do this. And what ended up happening was the company actually lost money, but according to the plans that they put together, they still had to pay things out and they still had to pay money out. Again, there's such an energetic compromise there that I think it overall, it's, it hurts the overall future success of the business dramatically. And so what I suggest for leadership teams is that you create a profit share plan where when there's profit in the organization, you take a percentage of that and you split it amongst the leadership team. And so, <clears throat> and you, you can do that based on each individual person you hire. And in our program, we have a pretty detailed calculation where we look at two, we look at three things. We look at, um, what is the, the gross revenue of the company? What is the profit margin of the company? And then what's the performance of the individual? And really that performance of the individual is really only used if there's an issue. And so we always know we're paying out bonuses when there is profit. We always know we're paying out bonuses when we're hitting the appropriate margins in the company and, and we're paying them to the individuals who are on the leadership team. And that way they're incentivized to do the things that we really want to do. We want a profitable company that's growing and we want a team that's working cohesively and cooperatively together. And so um, I always suggest that. Now, just one caveat here. Oftentimes, you know, I can hear it in Marley's question. Oftentimes the frustration that we have as CEOs is that we feel like the team's not stepping up enough, or we feel like the team's not taking enough of initiative. We feel like the team's not taking enough ownership. We feel like the team's not taking enough responsibility. Well, in almost all those cases, the symptom typically is that there's not enough clarity and there's not a clear outcomes, there's not clear scoreboards, and there's not clear um, accountability for each one of them. And where any one of those three is lacking, when there's not a clear plan, like I talked about earlier, and there's not clear scoreboards or, or transparency around whether you're doing well or not, and there's not clear accountability for each person, hang on, my dog's been like growling and barking and now she's getting loud, give me one second. As you guys are here watching, if you guys have any questions um, before we jump off this live, put them in the comments and we'll make sure to answer them for you. It's almost guaranteed that Cleo is going to interrupt a Facebook live here and there. So sorry about that, everybody. And so where you don't have a operating system, like I was talking about earlier, the symptom that, that I see is 
what Marley's expressing, that she feels like she's too tactically involved. She wants to step into the role of visionary. She wants to be forward looking, forward thinking. And I can see why she's crushing it when she does. When Marley is in that zone of genius for her specifically, anything is possible. I mean, I truly believe that about that individual and, and really most entrepreneurs. When we get into that that zone of genius, for all, I don't, even, I don't think I need to qualify most. It's all of us. When we are in our zone of genius, anything is possible. The more we're dragged out of that zone of genius through tactical issues, the more that feeling of anything is possible goes away. You can't be completely strategic and forward looking and forward thinking and, and seeing the future and creating the future and then coming back to the present and making it real and being tactical at the same time. Tactical literally takes you out of that strategic thinking. And so what I hear in Marley's question, but she didn't ask directly, is that she's feeling those symptoms I was talking about earlier, that feeling of overwhelm, that feeling of being the biggest bottleneck, that feeling of getting interrupted too much, having to guide too much, having to transactionally manage too much, tell people what to do, check that it got done, tell them what to do again. And so in that case, I want you to know there is not a compensation structure or a bonus plan or anything you're going to do with how you pay people that is going to overcome a lack of an operating system. And that's just, that's, that's like a, a law of business. I, it doesn't matter how much you pay people. If you don't have an operating system, if you don't have that clarity, that structure, that process through which the company is run so to where you know for certain that everything somebody's doing on a day-to-day -day basis is going to get you to your long-term outcome. And you know, every person knows their outcomes, their scoreboards and their accountability, that transparency and accountability. If you don't have those things, paying them more is not going to fix that. It might make them happier. It might make them like their job a little bit more. It might relieve some financial pressure for them. In some cases, it might create some stress for them. As entrepreneurs, we're always confused that when we pay people more, sometimes it, it, it backfires. And there's, there's a lot of people that it creates stress when they start making more money, especially when they get bonus structures and compensation plans and, you know, things like that stress them out. It's not a bad thing. It's, it, sometimes it's healthy stress. But those things will not fix a fundamental issue in any business. And they never have. They just create another level of complexity where now people don't have the system and structure that they need. And they're trying to achieve even higher because you put this compensation plan in place to show them what you think is important for them or for you. Um, and so be very careful with that, because if you if you put a compensation and plan in place of that process and structure, it's going to have a very hard time correcting the issue that you have in the business. Awesome, Marley, I hope that that answered your question. And um, I guess the, la the last question here for us, Alex. Alex, if people want to work with us, um, you know, I get this question all the time. Like, how can I work with you guys? What is like, what do I, where do I have to be in my business to have, your team and Alex's team come work with us. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, you got it, Jennifer. So we typically start like our, our minimum entry, like um, gross revenue for businesses. It's usually right around $300,000. That's not to say that we haven't very successfully worked with businesses that are a little bit lower than that. But here's why I throw out that threshold. What we do as a company is we show visionary entrepreneurs how to um, work with the operator they have or find an operator and install the operation system that I've been talking about, what we call the simple operation system or SOS. And 
that SOS will help you systematically and predictably grow the business. And by the way, that, that minimum threshold is around 300,000. And then we've worked with companies up into the tens of millions. Um, we've brought on companies that are already at 50 million or 18 million or 20 million. Um, so, so this, the system works across the board, but if you're in those earlier stages, the problems we will help you solve is consistent planning so that you're not completely tied up in the business day to day. Uh, we'll help you stop being the biggest bottleneck. We'll help you step into that role of visionary where every one of us as entrepreneurs really wants to be. We want to not be in that place. You always say, if you've heard me do a podcast or a presentation, you probably heard this before, but where that small percentage of the population goes into the future, creates a new reality, comes back to the present and demands it becomes real. And that's what we love doing. So if you want to live there and have a team be able to get out in front of you and execute for you, that's the structure we will help you put in place. And that we've helped hundreds of companies put in place all the way back to 2011 or 2012 when we started teaching this type of content. And so uh, if you're in that place and you have a business that's that has the revenue that we talked about or close to the revenue we talked about, you can go to simpleoperations.com. There's a link right there on the homepage to answer a short survey that just helps us understand who you are and sign up for a strategy session with my team. Um, we do not have high, set, high pressure sales closers or anything like that. Chances are you'll be talking to Jennifer or my wife, Katie or John, or sometimes me, uh, depending on, on what, what's going on in the week. And we'll spend an hour with you helping you, um, get really clear on where your business is today, where you want to take it and what's in the way. And, you know, we we're experts at that series of inquiries and sub questions that help really reveal what's going on in the business. And on every one of these calls, we have this point where we ask, like, what's the value that you've gotten from this call so far once we've gone through that process? And what I hear from people all the time is things like, I don't think I've ever really looked at my business this way, or I've never had it reflected back to me so clearly, or I haven't really gone through this type of thinking before with all of the questions that you asked. And it's revealing to me opportunities that I didn't even know were there. And so just getting on this call will be a huge boost to you understanding what's going on in your business and knowing what you need next. And then if on the call, we mutually decide that our mastermind is a good idea for you, or could be a good idea, um, whoever's holding that call will explain our, our mastermind to you and our, our coaching group, our membership, and um, we'll give you the details. And if you're interested in joining, you know, we, we can make that happen right there on the, the call. And the reason we do this through a call is we have an extraordinarily high success rate, like higher than 90% with the people who come into our program. And the reason we have that is we do all the qualifying up front to make 100% certain that if you're going to invest with us, we absolutely have the systems and structure to help you where you are now. And this happens, it's happened more than once where we get on a call with somebody and they're not quite in that place yet. And we suggest they go do something else first and then they come back to us and that's okay too. And so you can go to simpleoperations.com, click the link, link on the homepage. Uh, and if you're even close to that place and you're feeling like you're the biggest bottleneck and the business feels overwhelming and you're starting to have that fantasy of like, quitting and going back to doing it all yourself, like take a minute and get on the call because it will help you so much if you're in that place. And even if now is not the time for you to work with us, you'll at least know what's available and you'll be able to pull the trigger when it's the right time. Yes. Awesome. Anna, if you could please put the link of the, of the survey to book a call with our team in the comments, that will be great. Well, Alex, this concludes our Facebook Live this week. That was super 
fun. Any last minute thoughts before we jump off? I know we will be back here next Thursday. Um, be on the lookout for that, guys. I, I am creating events every week so that you guys can get the notifications in the community. But any last minute thoughts, Alex? Thank you so much for this time. Oh, thanks, Jennifer. Yeah, you know, just one one last thing. So if, if you're watching this, if you're listening to this and you're running a business and you'd like to get some answers for anything that's going on, um, you can do one of three things. You can look for Jennifer's post where she asks for questions or you can just make a post in the group and if it's an appropriate type of question, we will bring it to the call next Thursday and I'll give you a detailed answer on it. You know, the whole purpose of this group is to support business owners who are growing and scaling business businesses to really support visionaries so that you can get to the point where we've developed enough trust that it makes sense for us to work together so we can show you how to really scale your business and build a real company and have some of that money and time and space freedom that we all want. And so please ask the question in the group. Um, if it's something where we can give you a short answer, we'll do that in there so that you have something right after you answer the question. And then we'll give you a more elaborate answer on the, the Facebook live next week. But you know, my goal is to support as many of you as possible and help you grow your businesses and help you go make a way bigger impact in the world. And of course, a bigger income. Uh, and if, if moving towards our, our membership and working with us is something that is attractive and is the right thing at the right time, then I want to be able to do that too. So I look forward to seeing your questions over the course of the week and to answering them next Thursday. All right, guys. See you guys next week. Thank you for being here with us. If you're on the live, if you're watching the replay, let us know below and we'll come back and answer any other questions. Talk to you guys soon. Bye, Thanks, everybody. Bert. Thank you, Alex.